Hi, Soulmates. Plenty to discuss today. It is Thursday, January 12th. Welcome to Fox Soul's Black Report. I'm Courtney Hicks. And I'm Nick Cordelai Corte. We are honored, as usual, to stand right here behind the desk each day to take you on a journey across black America and the stories that impact our people. We are committed to bringing you our news, our views and our voice topping our news today. We're learning new details surrounding the shooting death of 13 year old Karan Blake. D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser confirmed the man who shot and killed Karan is a D.C. government employee. The shooting happened on Saturday morning on Quincy Street Northeast. Mayor Bowser spoke about the tragedy at a community meeting this week as well. What makes me so sick is that we have a 13-year-old that was at middle school on Thursday and Friday, and by the weekend he was dead. And, I, and sadly, um, it's not that different from other young people who have been killed in our city. Uh, and we know who pulled the trigger in this case, we don't always know who pulled the trigger. And in many of the cases where a young person dies, it's another young person that did the shooting. Um, so what's the same is that we have a young person that should be alive. The mayor added the man is on paid administration administrative lead at this hour. He hasn't been charged. In Philadelphia, one of the country's oldest medical organizations is apologizing for its silence regarding the unethical scientific experimentation conducted on mostly black people and low-income residents while they were incarcerated. The College of Physicians of Philadelphia, founded in 1787 and dubbed the birthplace of American medicine, formally acknowledged its lack of action regarding the experiments that took place at the former Holmesburg prison in Northeast Philadelphia. People at the prison were asked to participate in dermatologic scientific experiments from 1951 to 1974 in exchange for money. But survivors and medical ethics experts say those people lack true informed consent. The college event stripped Dr. Kilgman, the man who conducted the studies of the Distinguished Achievement Award from 2003. There's new data that has experts sounding the alarm on how allowing guns in public without permits could create an increased risk for black Americans. This comes as half of America's states have sanctioned carrying a gun in public without first needing a license. Experts say that studies suggest permitless states could increase the current stats. Black Americans already 10 times are likely to die from gun homicides, 18 times more likely to deal with gun assaults, and three times more likely to be fatally shot by the police. And we talked about this, I want to say, just yesterday about, uh, well, for me personally, I, you know, I agree uh, with, you know, the right to bear arms. Um, I, I just disagree with how um, we've been politicking and, pol uh, and policing that, if you will, or how we've been laying policy on top of it, because, uh, you know, at the end of the day, as our culture likes to say, um, the human carnage 
is just uh, unspeakable. And we were talking yesterday about some of the um, accessories that go along uh, with these guns and, and just the damage uh, that they do. And, and I will say, I've been in stores before, whether it's in Michigan or in other states where you can carry, and it's a little disturbing to turn around and I'm in the, you know, the, the, the soup aisle and I turn around and somebody's big old gun is on, is, is, is on the side of their hip in clear plain sight. It's just a little unnerving for me. So, you know, I agree with the, with the politics and the talk that needs to be centered around how we go about, you know, making this work for everybody. Yeah, and it's keeping people safe. Yeah, I mean, you're right, keeping people safe. And oftentimes, you know, uh, black folks uh, don't feel safe mm -hmm. around guns. And you just rattled off oh. a number of statistics mm -hmm. uh, that, that illustrate exactly why we don't feel safe. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I didn't grow up in a household that had guns. Um, I have friends that did. Um, in fact, I have friends that um, are proud gun owners. Uh, and, you know, I, I've just got to say, you know, my reservation about it, I feel like even when we exercise our Second Amendment right as black mm -hmm. folks, mm -hmm. uh, that when people see us, you know, with a gun, um, you know, and this could be a perfectly legal gun, uh, I think folks have a tendency to shoot first and ask questions mm -hmm. later. And I'm thinking a lot about uh, Philando Castile in Minnesota. Uh, who had uh, a legal gun on him when he was pulled over uh, by cops and they still shot him, right? Yeah. And that, ha that happens too often than not. And so uh, I think, you know, these concerns are founded and, you know, we've got to look at uh, whether or not we all really have the same Second Amendment rights because it doesn't seem like, uh, you know, they are um, recognized equally That's under right. the law. Totally agree. Totally yeah. great. All right, we're going to move on now as Representative Frederica Wilson is making headlines for her sharing her struggles with motherhood. Wilson shared her experience after the Republican-led House of Representatives passed its first anti-abortion bills on Wednesday. If abortion is banned nationwide, Florida will be the most impacted state, seeing maternal deaths increase by 29%. That's the mother. The nation will see a 24% increase in maternal death with a disproportionate 39% rise in maternal to, uh, mortality for black women. All I ever wanted since I was a little girl was plenty of children that I could love and cuddle and raise to greatness. That was the school principle in me even back then. So after getting married in 1968, I would soon become a mother-to-be. It was the joy of my life. I was ecstatic. My husband was walking on the clouds. My husband and I would touch my stomach all the time just to feel the movement of our baby boy and the glory of a life growing inside of me. It was amazing. Then at seven months, the baby stopped moving. He was soon pronounced dead right inside of my womb, and the doctor was prohibited by law from inducing labor. Wow, so emotional there. Wilson went on to tweet, quote, abortions don't just apply to women who've decided they are not ready to have a child. It affects women who are faced with medical emergencies. A voting rights organization led by Stacey Abrams must pay back the state $231,000. Fair Fight Action lost its lawsuit that alleged Georgia laws violated voting rights. The suit was filed after Abrams lost to Brian Kemp in 2018. Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger 
called the ruling a win for taxpayers. All right, Nicole Delay, let's go to your neck of the woods. Bay Area Congresswoman Barbara Lee reportedly plans to run for U.S. Senate next year. Now, according to several reports, the Congresswoman has informed fellow members of the Congressional Black Caucus of her plans and has even spoken to Senator Dianne Feinstein about her intentions. Senator Feinstein, who is 89, has not said yet whether she will seek another term. Another California Democrat, uh, Democrat Congresswoman Katie Porter from Orange County has already announced that she will run for the seat. This year, the Mississippi Legislative Black Caucus will push to revive several initiatives. The group says they're working to ease the restoration of voting rights for former inmates, expand Medicaid, provide oversight for welfare spending, and ensure that all parts of the state have access to high-speed internet and safe drinking water. This all comes as several Mississippi hospitals are struggling to remain open because of financial problems. Lawmakers say expanding Medicaid would bring money into the health care system. And we certainly have uh, talked a whole lot about Mississippi. They've been in the headlines quite a bit, uh, quite a bit uh, around getting clean drinking water there. They, they still are having issues with their water infrastructure there. Um, and Mississippi rates as one of the poorest states in the United States. And so each and every one of those issues are critically important, um, not just to low-income folks and black folks, but uh, so many Mississippians that are uh, going without right now. Yeah, you know, I think it, if you take a deeper dive. It's, it's really about the psyche, uh, you know, of this country. And I know we talk a lot about greed and and humanity and, and those, you know, polar opposites there. But it's so interesting because I, I pay attention to international news and and because I like to get a take on how folks from outside of our country kind of kind of look at us. And, and the ongoing theme that I always hear is, you know, how can America, who boasts to be so powerful and is powerful uh, in, in some aspects and, and the greatest, uh, you know, a country in the world uh, not have proper, efficient, uh, basic necessities uh, for their citizens. We're talking about clean water. We're talking about health care. I know living so close to uh, Canada, you, I'm from Detroit and go right across the bridge. And, uh, you know, there's there's health care available for for all of their citizens. And so I think we get so caught up in the, the politicking and, and the greed and, and, and this and that, that we forget about the welfare of the citizens that is supposed to be protected and provided for. So, you know, it's, it, for me, it, I, I go the emotional route. It's very heartbreaking. You know, you just get tired of all the rhetoric. You want the help that you deserve and that as a taxpayer, you pay for. Yeah, yeah, but shout out to all the organizers on the ground in places like Mississippi uh, that are organizing mm -hmm. around these issues. They're organizing in order to gain Medicaid expansion in Mississippi. They're organizing uh, to get the federal dollars and state dollars to be able to invest in water infrastructure and so uh, we'll continue to keep our eye on what's happening in Mississippi and other parts of the country. We will. So let's uh, put an eye on the NFL as we move on to uh, sports here. The general manager for the Houston Texans says the team is in the process of finding quote the right leadership after firing Lovey Smith this week. Smith went 3-13 and 1 in his one season as the Texans head coach. He was fired hours after they beat the Colts but lost the number one draft pick.
sick. Many are speculating that this is in direct relation to comments Smith made about a year ago when he first got the job saying that the NFL had, quote, uh, a problem with hiring black coached and uh, coaches and diversity. Now, after going through four different coaches in as many seasons, the Texans GM says he has to accept responsibility for the mistakes and get the next run one right. Uh, Smith is the second black coach in two years to be relieved of his duties by the Texans. Students within the Stoughton School District in Massachusetts are making their voices heard in a recent rally to bring back inclusively, uh, inclusivity in the classroom. Protesters draped in pride and Black Lives Matter flags protested outside a school board meeting this week in opposition to a district policy that's banned those flags in schools. The rally was organized by a student who was suspended after protesting the policy in school. The district says the ban on these kinds of flags is a result of a rule that was set by the district at the start of the school year that forbids showing, quotes, political items, which includes pride flags, Black Lives Matter signs, and law enforcement signs. Let's go to Illinois now. We're in Evanston. Black residents are giving government officials the side eye after the reparations intended for families weren't fully distributed. Now about 400 black residents were set to benefit from the $25,000 housing voucher program, which officials called the first phase of the Evanston Reparations Committee initiatives. The Chicago suburb initially set aside $10 million for reparations, but in 2019, three years later, only 400,000 has gone to 16 of the hundreds of black people who applied. Now, officials say the first payouts were to be money gained from the city's cannabis tax revenue. However, only one dispensary has opened as opposed to the three the city anticipated bringing only a fraction of the expected revenue. And here we are, Nick Cordelai, back at this very heated, interesting, layered, uh, I don't know if you want to call it a controversy, a, a discussion, a debate. You know, when you say the word reparations, you know, it blows up the spot. You appreciate the city of Evans trying to make some sort of effort, but to no avail, if you will. Well, I mean, I think folks need to be patient. Uh, you know, Evanston was uh, among some of the first municipalities in the country uh, to lead on reparations and to pass some form of reparations. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, these things take time. It, it's one thing to say, I support reparations. Mm -hmm. It's another thing as, a, as an elected leader or as a body of elected leaders to operationalize that, right? And so part of what we're seeing in Evanston, you know, is you know, some of the, the slow uptick in terms of actually operationalizing the intent to uh, provide reparations. And so, you know, this story could have could have gone a different way. It could have been, okay, the, the money's been all spent, you mm -hmm. know, and, you know, didn't hit its targets. And so, you know, slow and steady wins the race. Uh, I'm of the school of thought that, you know, let's give the folks in Evanston uh, some time to get it right so that all the other municipalities across the country and around the world that are paying attention uh, can also get it right. I hear you. However, 
I believe that there's not enough clarity in how to go about reparations. So I feel like efforts like this uh, get lost in translation because you know there's no clear, uh, and, and I don't know if we can ever come up with, uh, with a clear, with everybody having so many different opinions as to how we should go about reparations or even if we should, without the clarity. Uh, I appreciate efforts like this, but I think they just caught up in, in, in they get caught up in the gray area. And, and, and as a result, we have results like this where people were promised looking forward to this money and they haven't received it. Yeah, well, mm -hmm. we'll continue to keep our eye on it. There certainly feels like there's a different municipality every single day that's raising Trying and saying, make it happen. we're gonna give you your money. And we appreciate it. And then it. we say, show us the money. Well, we gotta get it right first. <laughs> <laughs> well, coming up, a major move from Yale Org Organics following their new gain popularity so, from a viral TikTok yeah, video. We've been talking about that hair oil for a minute. Well, we'll tell you what's, uh, what's up with that and what's going on next with that company and how they will continue to enlarge their territory. Coming up on Fox Soul's Black Report. Maybe they'll have some beard oil. Oh, now that would be a good idea. <laughs> President Biden authored a rare article that called for legislation to hold tech and social media companies more accountable. That's right. The article appeared in the Wall Street Journal and went on to state that the legislation should limit how companies can collect and use personal data and its role in bullying and mental health. Biden also called for fairer rules to increase competition in the tech industry. Big tech companies argue there is already substantial competition and they will support privacy laws if it doesn't impact the primary advertising business. Another best of list is out from U.S. News and World Report. How about the best jobs? First up, we have software developers with a salary of 121000 Next, a nurse practitioner. They're going to make about 124000 Third, medical and health services managers uh, at number three with $101,000 a year. And then finally, a physician's assistant coming in at number four with around $121,000. Researchers used several factors to determine the best jobs, including the number of new jobs expected to be created, the estimated percentage of employment growth, future job prospects, stress level, that's important, and work-life balance, and of course, salary. You know, software, IT, all that stuff yeah. seems to, you know, fare all of the, the weathering, uh, you know, that the job market uh, goes through um, and, and, and nursing, even though, there, you know, there's been some issues, you know, with, with, with the healthcare folks and, and then being just exhausted through this pandemic. Um, you know, all in all, it still appears to be a very steady um, uh, job choice, career choice, as I always see nursing or, mm -hmm. you know, practitioners, you know, in the health field, um, you know, doing quite well. I think those are like top salaries because I think yeah. some nurses would argue maybe those special nurses in New York, uh, you maybe have to be specialized in that area or just be there for, for a minute to top off maybe at six figures. But I think for a start, a lot of what was mentioned in that countdown um, are good salaries for especially our, our collegiate soulmates yeah. who may be watching. And there was a huge uh, migration of folks into the tech industry mm -hmm. over the course of the past you know decade or two. There have been uh, a lot of folks in tech, a lot of people uh, really 
uh, interested in those high paying jobs in tech. And unfortunately, we're seeing that tech has had these massive layoffs uh, of late. Yeah. Uh, and so it's going to be interesting to see whether or not any of the legislation that uh, Democrats and the president would, are saying that they would support. Mm -hmm. um, you know, is that going to sort of stop the bleeding of tech jobs? Mm -hmm. You know, or is that going to accelerate uh, the bleeding of tech jobs if they know that more federal legislation and regulation is on the way? I agree, and I'm, I'm looking forward to the day when they will release a research study like that, and and professions like teaching are at the top of the list. I think, you know, I think for, for, for years, on top of years, you know, that profession has just been overlooked. And, uh, you know, almost every school year we deal with, with, with teachers or we, you, we hear about teachers not wanting to deal with what they've been having to deal with, mm -hmm. whether it be a strike or just holding out for a little bit. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm hoping education top that list one of these days. Well, you know, you know I'm rooting for I it. I know you are. Yes, well, a Virginia bill would deem a pregnant person's fetus a passenger in a car, allowing the vehicle to use the carpool lane on highways. That's right, reproductive rights activists say that the legislation amounts to a thinly veiled attempt by anti-abortion Republican lawmakers to further curtail abortion rights by advancing so-called personhood laws that seek to protect the rights of the unborn through unconventional avenues. The legislation would require pregnant people to show proof of pregnancy obtainable by having certified their pregnancies with the state transportation department. I'm not making this up. The bill is the second of its kind ever proposed. Last year, Texas Republicans introduced a similar measure. Okay, we'll have to keep our eye on that one. Uh, Meet D, the concept car that wants to be your friend and is BMW's vision for the future on the way we will eventually interact with vehicles in both the physical and the digital worlds. It uh, has emerged as one of the best products at Consumer Electronics Show for 2023. Now, when the driver approaches, the concept awakens with biometric sensors authenticating the owner's identity. You can talk to Dee and not just, you know, when you're inside the car as she listens and responds to commands curbside uh, and remotely via a smartphone app. Uh, it has no dashboard screen because the entire windshield is a display complete with a AR display with five levels of immersion. Wow. BMW has no plans to actually build the iVision D, but it hints that we could be seeing the technologies highlighted here in production cars in the near future. I would have to agree. Uh, I was reading a little further, and um, they're even working where she can, she, D, the car can change. <laughs> Miss D. Right, Miss D can change. Oh, we would have fun with that, wouldn't we? Could change uh, colors depending on what yeah. out outfit you're wearing that Oh, day. You, you will wear out that function. You you know I would. <laughs> I actually drove an X5 years ago, and if yeah. I could change the color of it, it was black. Yeah. If I could change the color of it, yeah. depending on my outfit, especially when I used to be in radio and host the clubs and stuff, oh, and pull up, that'd have been amazing. And I you mean, know how we'll do. If something like that happens, yeah. our, our, our soulmates <laughs> we'll right. take that thing to another level. We sure level. will. We sure will. I mean, you know, the the Howard tailgate party uh, is going to look like something else. But it's just amazing to see just sort of the advances in technology. Mm -hmm. We want to emphasize this is just a concept car, right? Yeah. And so it's not like they're rolling out uh, manufacturing of these uh, quite yet. But when you look at all of the the different uh, uh, inputs, all the different mm -hmm. uh, toys features. that you have, mm -hmm. the features within yeah. the car. 
you know, those are features that we could see not just in BMWs, but we could see in other cars in the industry. That's and so right. it feels like the cartoon, the Jetsons. Remember the Jetsons? Mm -hmm. You know, it feels like the kind of car that we might have uh, seen on that cartoon so many years ago. And uh, I think it's pretty amazing. And I, I feel it's coming sooner than you think. Usually when it's in that conceptual, mm -hmm. you know, phase, that means it's pretty much on the way. Um, so I'm excited about that. Change yeah. the color of my car to my outfit. Man, listen. Right. I can see it. I can see it here. Uh, well, more change uh, on the way. Macy's will be closing a handful of its stores in 2023. The retail chain confirmed last week as a part of a plan announced three years ago. According to a Macy's representative, all four of the impacted stores are located in malls, affected employees will be offered jobs at nearby locations or severance packages. These closures are part of a plan announced in February 2020 when Macy's confirmed that it planned to close 125 of its least productive stores over three years. The closure of Macy's stores uh, in Los Angeles and Fort Collins, Colorado, Gaithersburg, Maryland, and Kanoe, Hawaii come on the heels of Macy's opening multiple off-mall small format stores in 2022. Oh, not Macy's. All right, P&G Beauty and Miel Organics, a popular textured hair care brand rooted in natural ingredients, announced this week that it will join P&G Beauty pending regulatory approval, further expanding access to healthy hair products and services for black women around the world. Founded by wife and husband duo Monique and Melvin Rodriguez, in 2014, Miel Organics has become a leading brand for consumers with textured hair through innovative technology-driven products, natural ingredients, and inspirational and educational content. Miel will soon uh, continue to be led by uh, co-founders Monique and Melvin Rodriguez and CEO and COO respectively, and will operate as independent, uh, independent subsidiary of P&G Beauty. So listen, we just talked about, you know, yesterday uh, with some friends of mine um, now being owners and operators of a Chick-fil-A, you have acquisitions like this who definitely, that definitely speak to and set you up for generational wealth. And it just also speaks to how valuable um, this product has become. And, you know, that's the dream of every creator um, for you to speak to a need and for folks to really buy into that need and support that dream and that vision. So, you know, it's like, it's like what every entrepreneur would, would dream for their product to happen for, some, for and, some. And I really just sort of love how this acquisition was structured. The fact that the husband and wife will we'll continue. continue to stay on and mm -hmm. in, in a leadership role, you know, as the CEO and COO uh, of, of the company and mm -hmm. operating as a subsidiary uh, of PNG. Um, you know, I, I just think that that, that is totally awesome because once mm -hmm. upon a time, acquisitions meant, you know, you know, it sell me your business and, and give me the keys That's and, right. you know, kind of kick you to the curb, go enjoy your money, yeah. right? And so uh, that I think it's a signal mm -hmm. that consumers can expect that the quality of the product 
to continue, if not get better, being that the founder uh, is at the helm. And so mm -hmm. we love to see it. Yeah, and acquisitions aren't for everybody yep. and, every, and, and every entrepreneur, but it, it seems to be the blueprint uh, for a, a lot who've, who's found that their products or inventions have gone on to great, or services have gone on to great success. That's yeah, right. So big ups. All right, up next, allowing artificial intelligence to uh, represent you in court. Wow, we'll tell you where the first ever robot lawyer is having his first trial. You're watching Fox News Black Report. We'll be right back. It's a guy. It's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a male. Could be she. Welcome back. If you are just joining us, we're going to take it back to our top stories of the day. We're learning new details surrounding the shooting death of 13 year old Karan Blake. D.C. Mayor Mariel Bowser confirmed the man who shot and killed Karan Blake is a D.C. government employee. The shooting happened on Saturday morning on Quincy Street. That's in Northeast. Mayor Bowser spoke about the tragedy at a community meeting this week. The mayor added that the man is on paid administrative leave and this at this hour he has not been charged. A voting rights organization led by Stacey Abrams must pay back the state $231,000. Fair Fight Action lost its lawsuit that alleged Georgia laws violated voting rights. Now the suit was filed after Abrams lost to Brian Kemp in 2018. Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger called the ruling a win for taxpayers. And let's go to Mississippi now where the legislative Black Caucus is pushing to revive several initiatives. The group says they're working to ease the restoration of voting, uh, voting uh, rights for former inmates, expand Medicaid, provide oversight for welfare spending, and ensure that all parts of the state have access to high-speed internet and safe drinking water. This all comes as several Mississippi hospitals are struggling to remain open because of financial problems. Lawmakers say expanding Medicaid would bring money into that health care system. And in Evanston, Illinois, about 400 black residents were set to benefit from the $25,000 housing voucher program, which officials called the first phase of the Evanston Reparations Committee initiatives. The Chicago suburb initially set aside $10 million for reparations in 2019, but three years later, only $400,000 has gone to 16 of the residents of black people who applied. Officials say the first payouts were to be uh, by money gained from the city's cannabis tax revenue. However, only one dispensary has opened as opposed to the city's three anticipated dispensaries, bringing only a fraction of the expected revenue. Back to Nikortalai. Thank you, Courtney. Now off to Haiti, where crowds are growing at the Seoul Immigration Office in Port-au-Prince ever since President Joe Biden announced that the U.S. will accept 30,000 people a month from Haiti, Nicaragua, Cuba, and Venezuela. The president made the announcement last week. Those selected will be entitled to work for two years if 
They have eligible sponsors and pass background checks. Those selected also will need a passport to travel, prompting the daily rush at the immigration office in Haiti's capital. Now, according to reports, Haitians are opting for the recently uh, announced legal route to the U.S. instead of joining the tens of thousands of Haitians who have been intercepted at the U.S.-Mexico border and deported. There's a film about a first black Navy pilot that has renewed the search for his remains. It's called Devotion. It's about Jesse Brown, America's first black Navy pilot who died back in 1950 after having uh, to crash land his damaged plane during the Korean War. And uh, it has ignited this effort. Fred Smith, the founder of the Memphis-based FedEx, financed the film about Brown because he thought Brown deserved wider recognition, a feeling he his surviving relative share and lobbied the Trump administration to support these search efforts after consulting with Brown's daughter, Pamela. Now, according to the government agency that tracks prisoners of war and those missing in action, more than 7,500 American military personnel remain unaccounted for in the Korean War. A $2.5 million grant has been given to fund a study of religion in Mississippi and restore a historic black church. The announcement was made by the Mississippi Department of Archives and History yesterday to help officials better understand the role of religion in history and culture. The grant was awarded from the Lilly Endowment Incorporated, an Indiana-based philanthropic foundation designed to support causes of community development, education, and religion throughout the United States. A component of the grant will provide $750,000 for extensive renovations at the historic T.J. Huddleston Memorial Chapel at Natchez College, a historically black college that operated from 1884 until 1989. I remember the closing uh, of that of that in institution. Listen, I love grants like this. It further propels um, the need for our stories uh, to be told, to be preserved, to be highlighted, uh, you know, for our stories to, you know, be reflected in statues and memorabilia. Uh, and, and I'm glad to see that uh, it's happening down in Mississippi, uh, a state that, that could use um, some positive reinforcement that could maybe use the history to help strengthen, um, you know, what they're faced with now and in the future as far as some of the hardships. So I'm, I'm down for it. And what I love about this story, I mean, we're only, you know, days away from the uh, holiday mm -hmm. celebrating Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And we certainly know the role that the black church played in the mm -hmm. civil rights movement. Uh, and what I love about this is outside of all of the uh, attention that that holiday gets every single year, and rightfully so, mm -hmm. uh, that this grant is going to allow for an even deeper study of religion and the role that it's played in places like Mississippi. And mm -hmm. so uh, really, 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 really uh, uh, pleased to see this and um, looking forward to all the insights and learnings yeah. and all the hidden figures to your point That's that right. will emerge as a result of this study. It's a great story to, to tap into. Yeah. All right. Can, can we tap into my beloved Michigan State Spartans? <laughs> can, can we just for a moment? The Michigan State who? Please, allow me, soulmates, okay? <laughs> as the Board of Trustees has uh, elected Rima Vassar as its chair, talk about black excellence. She is the first black woman to hold the position and call the moment, quote, historic saying there's been I believe 124 board members for uh, women color uh, four uh, were women of color uh, three were black women 
two of which are on the board right now, and none of those women have ever been chair. Finished with that quote. The board has experienced public controversies over the past year. Basser, a professor of education at Wayne State University, that's located in Detroit, says she anticipates a, quote, resurgence of collegiality. Did I say that right? Collegiality? Yeah, collegiality. Collegiality, yeah, 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 yeah. collegiality. Yeah, that's right. Thank you. And now off to uh, Oklahoma, where Oklahoma's News 9's parent Griffin Media makes giant donation to Langston College. The HBCU near Oklahoma City has taken over the former KWTV Oklahoma City building. This is after the station's parent company, Griffin Media, donated it. KWTV, known as News 9, moved to, down to a downtown location in last year. Uh, Langston's uh, officially took possession of the building on January 3rd. Now, the former Griffin site will be the home for the university's Center for Media and Community Advancement. All right, here's a story about this, this robot lawyer here. Uh, an intelli artificial intelligence is now helping people get out of parking tickets. The world's first robot lawyer from Do Not Pay is heading to court this month. The AI will instruct defendants on how to respond to judges. Defendants will wear a Bluetooth connected earpiece and the AI will whisper what to say. Now, according to Do Not Pay, the company will cover the fines and compensate the defendants for participating in the experiment. I think if I found myself, you know, having to defend myself over a parking ticket, I'd, I'd let the AI whisper in my ear some sweet nothings to say to the judge well, to it, get me off. Well, it, it depends on who programmed that AI and what, what sweet nothings they're whispering <laughs> in your ear. Uh, you know, it's so interesting. You know, just yesterday I was uh, a part of a faculty meeting at Pepperdine mm -hmm. and you know, one of the concerns that's come up from professors uh, are around students that are using um, AI technology to write their papers. Yes. Right? And so, you know, just how you have this AI uh, uh, apparatus that is whispering, you know, how to answer to, to folks in court, well, you have AI that's actually writing papers. Uh, and so there's technology that's having to be developed in real time uh, to identify when plagiarism is happening mm -hmm. and when uh, uh, students are submitting papers mm -hmm. uh, that have been written by these AI technologies. And so, you know, everybody's just trying to keep up with, with uh, the artificial intelligence for the people that may mm -hmm. not be familiar with the term AI. People are, are trying to keep up with this. Uh, machine learning allows for t these technologies to like learn us, mm -hmm. study us, study our behavior, study our language uh, really quickly. Uh, and uh, if we're not careful, uh, who knows? AI may be uh, uh, developing the script for a newscast yeah. uh, sometime well, soon. They, you they, never they, know. They, they do have uh, AI anchors, but listen, the company said, you know, whether it works, they're going to pay the fines. So I'd sign up for it while it's in its experimental phase. They're going to pay the fine. That's what you want in the first place. Mm, we we got, we got to study this a little bit Not more me. closely. Pay my ticket. I'll <laughs> do an AI. Coming up, could it be a family feud between Hollywood parents? We'll tell you which singer is filing for joint custody when we return. You're watching Fox Souls Black Report. AI me up. Pay my ticket. <laughs> he said sign me up. <laughs> I said hold up. No. Sign me up.
All right, soulmates, Mariah Carey is allegedly filing for primary custody of her twins, Monroe and Moroccan, with Nick Cannon. Why did I see this coming? According to several reports, Cannon barely sees their twins, but he hasn't, uh, but he isn't a bad father. Cannon is now a father of 12, which you might know. Cannon and Carrie married uh, back in April of 2008 and finalized their divorce in 2016. Tennis star Naomi Osaka is pregnant. Yay! The 25-year-old shared the news on social media just days after she announced she was withdrawing from the Australian Open. This will be Osaka's first child with her boyfriend rapper Corday. Osaka said uh, in the, the future that she's looking forward to her child watching one of her matches and telling someone, that's my mom. Mm. Osaka plans to return to the Australian Open in 2024. Congratulations. Yeah, we'll look for her return for sure. It's a gender reveal unlike any other. Harlem Globetrotter and uh, Holland Globetrotter Doug Anderson announced him and his girlfriend are expecting. Take a look. about a slam dunk celebration. Okay, Doug. Uh, he slammed, as you saw there, the basketball into the net, uh, tied up with a balloon full of pink powder. It's going to be a girl. It all happened at a basketball training facility uh, in Colorado. Doug and his girlfriend planned, uh, planned all of this as a fun way to find out what they were expecting. Uh, and obviously, it's going to be a girl. Anderson was a player on the Harlem Gold Trotters for about six years. He was also an international slam dunk champion. Okay, uh, but this slam will definitely go down as his favorite. Very nice. You see a lot of different innovative ways that folks are going about announcing uh, pregnancies. I know um, Naomi just uh, posted a picture of, of her uh, ultrasound. Uh, and and you know when you when you take a look at the uh, gender reveals on social car social media. Some of them are amazing, uh, and some of them go real wrong, <laughs> go real left. But I, I, the emergence of the gender reveal, um, I love it. I, I think it's cute. Some people choose to keep it private, yeah. Um, you know, and and some choose to do it the old-fashioned way and not know until uh, you know the, the mom is given birth. I know back in our day we didn't have. I'm 50, about to be 52, so they did not have that, and you just waited around, and the dad or you know five they figured out and found out what the baby was yeah. going to be. And I know my dad was expecting a boy. He was very upset. So he left the hospital, went and had a drink at his sister's house. And my dad didn't even drink. Matter of fact, my name is very masculine with the Courtney. Uh -huh. The middle is Aaron. So you know what, <laughs> what they were on. But uh -huh. he ended up having three sons, so he was cool. But I, I love the idea of a gender reveal. Yeah, I mean, you know, to each its own. You know, I think... Uh, Not for you? you know, I think there's... I just think it puts too much pressure on the kid, right? You know, and... You know, what if the kid is, what if it's, you're expecting a girl and, you know, the way she shows up in the world is maybe more as a tomboy or, oh, I see you know, or, okay. or what if, or what if at some point she transitions, right? And so it just puts a lot of pressure on the kid. And so I think it's just something to be mindful of. But, you know, each one, teach one, you know, hmm. to, to each its own. Um, but, you know, really excited for, you know, Naomi Osaka. Um, lots of celebrities having babies, even uh, Shamar Moore. Yeah, uh, Announced that he's going to be a father for the mm -hmm. first time and he's in his 50s he's if, with me yeah yeah uh, if if i remember correctly it gets and, greater later yes and you know and he's ha he's having a a, a a kid with his his girlfriend and mm -hmm. so uh congratulations yeah. to them yeah all right yeah
Not me. According to the Hollywood rapper, reporter, rap uh, heavyweights Dr. Dre, Missy Elliott, and Lil Wayne will be honored by the Recording Academy and the Black Music Collective at a pre-Grammy event next month. The Grammy-winning performers, along with Epic Records CEO Sylvia Rome, legendary, will receive the Recording Academy Global Impact Award at a February uh, event uh, in Los Angeles. The 65th Annual Grammy Awards were aired will air live on uh, February 5th. We're looking forward to that one. That's right. Now, Meek Mill, Kevin Hart, and former Philadelphia 76er co-owner Michael Rubin have teamed up again to make a major donation to Philadelphia schools. Following up on their 2022 donation of $15 million to more than 100 Philly schools, that's according to a statement announcing the donation this week, the trio will donate $7 million to local education causes for the 2023 and 2024 school year, with most of the funds going to support scholarships for low-income students at private schools. Now, Meek Mill and Kevin Hart, who are both from Philly, mm -hmm. attended the Philadelphia public school system, and here these brothers are giving back. Yeah. I know recently, um, you know, we reported on uh, Meek Mill and the kerfuffle uh, back in Ghana. The what? The kerfuffle. Okay. You know, the, 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 the issue that uh, that prompted the uh, presidential palace. This is true. Uh, to say, you know, essentially cease and desist. And kind of put a damper on a great positive visit. Yeah. But he made good and apologized. I don't know if, they, if the government accepted that, though, apology, but I mean, I he, he apologized. You're right, and, and it, it represents really an outlier for mm -hmm. Meek Mill. You're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. He has been uh, really philanthropic, and uh, he has been out there doing a lot of work around criminal justice reform, investing uh, his time, talent, and treasure in uh, education, particularly in uh, his hometown of Philadelphia, and so, you know, Keep doing that. Yeah. You know, don't don't yeah. do the, the the stuff that you did in Ghana. Like keep doing this. And they, and they both go hard. Stuff. They both go hard for Philly. You know. Yeah. And 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 um, uh, um, the, the partner. I can't. His name slips my mind right now. Who are we talking about? Kevin. That's oh yeah, it. Kevin yeah. Hart. I yeah. mean, he goes hard and and has just given yeah. back in ways that sometimes you just never really know mm -hmm. um, until maybe somebody says something or or it just happens to come up. But uh, a lot of our, our favorite uh, artists, our favorite entertainers. A lot of them, their uh, their efforts behind the scenes uh, go a little unsung, and I think sometimes they they prefer that. But in cases like this, um, where I think it, it needs to be put out there that these guys, um, no matter the stumbling blocks they may have in yeah. their careers and their personal lives, that all in all they're good brothers mm -hmm. and they want the best stuff for the communities that they come from. And it's such a big part of our culture. Mm -hmm. It's such a big part of it, right? You know, coming back to the well, giving back. That's right. Um, and we love reporting it. Iconic news personality Al Roker is now providing details regarding his health crisis that left him hospitalized and near death for two months. Roker, who returned to TV last week, says he was first hospitalized in mid-November with a blood clot in his leg after waking up with stomach pains and shared that some of the coagulated blood cells had traveled to his lungs. Very dangerous. Police, uh, excuse me, doctors then discovered that Roker was bleeding internally, spurring a hold on any more blood thinners. Doctors ended up discovering that the uh, part of his small intestine was uh, ruptured. Doctors performed seven hours of surgery to uh, resection that and remove 
Roker's gallbladder. My goodness, Roker says his wife Deborah uh, was his rock during that entire time. And I use the word policing because I was reading articles and she said that she really had to police his well-being and 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 find that there were issues with him that you know folks weren't seeing. So we're glad he's back. Comedian Gerard Mar Carmichael is still receiving backlash from his performance at the Golden Globes this week. Carmichael is making the rounds after a joke he made regarding the awards venue fell flat. Take a look. We are here live from the hotel that killed Whitney Houston, the Beverly Hilton. Whitney Houston estate says they were disappointed Carmichael joked about the late singer's death during the show. Gerard has not made a comment regarding the backlash. Uh, you know, certainly uh, seems like uh, the joke was in poor taste. Mm. Uh, a lot of Whitney fans, uh, you know, you also taking that. to social media, mm -hmm. a little disappointed uh, with that. Um, you know, but you know, Carmichael, he brought sort of a different flavor to the Golden Globes. Mm -hmm. You know, we all know that when we bring comedians, you know, to these award shows and have them host, that, you know, chances are they're gonna say something that's going to uh, offend. Um, and uh, uh, so, you know, we'll continue to keep our eye on this, but uh, you know, I know Whitney's saying, teach them well and let them lead the way. And uh, it didn't feel like uh, he was taught so well when he decided to go with that joke. Just saying. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> okay, enough said. There's War Fox Soul Black Report on the way. It's our Black Excellence segment. When we return, we'll be right back. Ms. Jamie Neal is an advanced registered nurse practitioner in Jacksonville, Florida, who recently opened Life Tree Women Care, making it the first black-owned women's clinic in that area. That's right. Neal, who has specialized in women's health care for over 20 years, says that oftentimes black women don't get checkups the way that they should because of their finances or because they're too embarrassed as a result. They're finding out about their medical problems too late. She also added that it's not just women who don't get their checkups the way that they're supposed to, but also men. With the opening of Life Tree Women Care, Neil hopes to encourage every woman over the age of 21 to be evaluated by a medical provider every year. It emphasizes the preventative care varies on a case-by-case -case basis and should never be neglected. Indeed. All right, moving along, a Canadian teen who suffered hair loss during sickle cell treatments has created a product line for black hair. After being diagnosed with sickle cell disease when she was eight years old, Eloria uh, Ogunderi, now 15, created a line of products with her mother to help other black girls and women maintain their hair. Undergoing chemotherapy and other treatments caused Ogunderi to experience hair loss. She then decided to cut off all her hair and invest time in testing a variety of oils, butters, and creams before they created their own formula to launch the black 
uh, hair care line. Eloria Beauty products have accumulated lots of positive feedback with some mothers even saying their daughter's hair became more manageable. Ongandera uh, says she strives to be an example for black girls to love their hair no matter its length or texture. That's a great story. It's a great story. It's mm -hmm. actually reminding me of something that uh, Shirley Ralph said mm -hmm. on the red carpet oh, at the Golden yes. Globes, where she was asked by a reporter, you know, what, what would she say to her 15-year-old self, mm -hmm. right? And she said, you know, love your nose, love your, love your lips, you know, love yourself, mm -hmm. right? Um, and she said, you know, one day, you know, the Kardashians, you know, are going to pay $10,000 for those lips, right? And so Ooh. this is just another reminder, you know, of, of what... Uh, of, of the work that it takes for us to love ourselves right. and I love to see so many young uh, folks creating products mm -hmm. uh, that help our people to do that. And Shirley Ralph, Auntie said what she said and listen it goes back to this whole idea of you know uh, mattering to ourselves before we can expect to matter to anybody else and and, and whether that's you know in the in the lane where we're dealing with uh, you know a pol political uh, racial uprising or even self-care uh, we have to matter to ourselves uh, before we can matter to any to anybody else. Absolutely. Well, soulmates, yeah. you all matter to us, and, and we hope that this uh, newscast has mattered to you. Mm -hmm. I'm Nicordelai Corte. I'm Courtney Hicks. Until next time, stay, stay lifted. lifted.